This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is the Fulham shadow, Emilio Donnell. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 3-1 victory against Bournemouth. Emilio was there, so he's going to just share his thoughts on it. I obviously watched it, and I did my five takeaways, but now we're going to do a post-match show. It's been a while since I've talked to Emilio, so I'm really excited about doing this. A couple of things I want to mention is that Emilio and I are dealing with some technical <laughs> issues. I'm going to tell you that my mic is not working right now, so you might hear my audio is a little tinny, so I apologize for that. I have to buy a new mic, so just wanted to be transparent on that. And then, of course, we've got Emilio trying to find a place to do it, so we're both dealing with technical <laughs> issues, but we're going to do the show because we want to do a show. Emilio, it's been a long time. How are you doing? Yeah, it has been a long time, Russ, and glad to be back on show. It's just unfortunate when you normally do the shows after the game. It's normally on Sundays, and Sundays it's just it's always my day of playing catch-up with life and all that. But, uh, yeah, so you've, you've set the tone here because literally I've got a few technical issues. My wife's got the <laughs> – she's on her own computer, even though it's a shared computer, so hasten to add. My laptop is literally needs a new battery. My work laptop is blocked using StreamYard and others. So I'm now using my mobile phone, so that's – you know, fourth attempt to get on here. So, but yeah, it's been a long time. I think it's uh, the shadow is back. Happy to talk about a full and victory, a much needed full and victory. A good, good performance overall. We'll talk about that on the show today. But you know, you know, despite the stats, which I'm sure you'll bring up to us, you know, there's only one statistic that matters. That's, that's the score line. So uh, that's so right. Three points. Difficult game against Villa, but you know, we can we can start breathing a little bit more. Every game, every point, every we're crawling to safety then we can start to relax and enjoy ourselves a little bit more. But, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom at Fulham Football Club. We should be we should be quite proud. Semi-final against Liverpool, which we nearly took them to to extra time, essentially, if we scored that last late late goal in Craven Cottage. Quarter-final of the FA Cup last year, 10th place in the league. 
it could be worse, right? It could be worse for Fulham fans. I know Fulham fans won't be happy with uh, the squads. You know, we've all been a little bit vocal towards our owners, but could be better, but it could also be a lot worse. Totally agree there, Emilio. It really could be. And what's interesting about this, and we're going to talk about a Fulham victory here, if you look moving forward, I think it's only going to get better. I know the opponents get harder, but we have two players coming back from the African Cup of Nations. Mm -hmm. So for me, getting all three points against Bournemouth was massive because now you can build on that and you should be better as a team with these two key players returning a million. So when I watched this performance, and I've actually listened to a lot of talk about this from the Bournemouth perspective, they were obviously very upset about the loss. I listened to back of the net and they were, I wouldn't say discounting Fulham, but they were not giving Fulham enough credit in my opinion because they thought they were going to roll because of the first matchup. Yeah. I knew it was going to be a little bit different. So I think maybe some of the supporters didn't give Fulham enough credit and yeah, then of course Fulham win and um they are not feeling too good about their team. But you know what? This is a Fulham show. Enough talking about, about Bournemouth supporters. You're right, um you you're right because I was on the twelfth man podcast last Thursday night and there you've got literally those Bournemouth fans on there, Brentford and the Bournemouth fan there was, you know, it was piping up, saying, oh, 3-0 victory against Fulham. I said, yeah, that was, you know, we want to avenge that, that poor performance at Boxing Day. He said, we've never lost at Craven Goddess since the 90s. And I said, keep saying that, keep saying that, because good runs always come to an end. So keep saying that. And But there was an air of arrogance in that show last week, thinking, well, actually, you know, we're, 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 we're among, you know, we're literally neck and neck in the table. You know, don't discount Fulham, give us some credit. But it just felt like they're, they're bound to win, because their record at Craven Cottage is always very good. But I said, okay. Let's see what it looks like on Saturday afternoon, and then we can re re review next week. And I haven't heard from him since then. So, it, again, you know, they might be disappointed, but we were disappointed with the 3-0 defeat on Boxing Day. So it works both ways. It does, Emilio. And listen, both clubs, it's funny because I went on a podcast talking about Bournemouth to preview the match, and I could just feel nothing against the supporter of Bournemouth, but... I felt some very good confidence going into that from their perspective, again, going on the first time that we played each other. However, he told me something interesting, and I think it's going to be a theme when we talk about this match, that there was a way, there was a weakness there with Bournemouth, and Fulham took advantage of it. It was going to be a right back with Adam mm. Smith. Fulham's left-hand side dominated. Yes. And I, we'll get to that because I want to focus on William. I want to focus – on Jedi, the triangles with Tom. I want to talk about that because Tony Gale really, in the broadcast I watched, fantastic, obviously been on the show, really highlighted those three and their triangles and their play and, and how much it gave Bournemouth all kinds of trouble, Emilio. So for me, when I watch back the match, I've watched it a few times. I actually think it, it's more impressive each, more, each time mm -hmm. I watch it because I see more things that they actually did. And, um, Three to one, it could have been more than that, Emilio. That's just the way I'm looking at it. Mm. Yeah, and I, uh, overall, you know, the scoreline is what counts. And I think if I look back at the amount of key saves our keeper had to make, he made a good save in the first half, you know, a couple of moments in the second. But despite all their corner, you know, in, in the second half, they didn't really trouble our keeper. Again, Tim Ream was a, was a colossal in defence, you know, you know, cleared every head and won every head. And those corners were very good. If only we had corners that could hit that sweet spot each and every time, we'd certainly score a lot more goals from set pieces, certainly from corners. But 
you know, they had well over 10 corners in that second half, just banging them in the same place, same place, same place, but same outcome each and every time. So we defended resolutely. You know, there's a, we'll talk afterwards about maybe sort of the substitutes never really came and made the impact that I expected. I think that's two games in a row, the substitutes that we've made haven't have failed. You know, against Burnley, we saw the outcome there. And against Bournemouth, we, we sat back a bit too much, a bit too, a bit too concerning for me, the way we sat back. We're 3-1 up. Probably could have been a little bit more adventurous at times. But overall, you know, we we dominated first half. We got the two-goal advantage. And to be honest with you, it's I think we were in control. I'm not sure it was it was a nervous 3-1. It's not the not the most convincing three ones I've ever seen in the world. But the fact that they had so many corners and so many almost the opportunities, there were threats there. There were moments for them, but they didn't capitalize. And you know, in this in the Premier League, only one stat counts, and that's the final score. Absolutely, Millie. Absolutely. So while we're talking about this, I have a couple of topics to go mm. through with you that we'll talk about the match and also moving forward. So let's talk about Tim Ream. You just talked about it. Mm. The second half with his dominance in the air, just it was corner after corner, heading it away, clearing it every single mm. time. He was a mess. So I'm going to ask the question, his performance, <laughs> has it earned him back his starting position? Because what's interesting Calvin Bassey returns. Mm. So did he make a marker here for Marco to say, hey, to Marco, listen, mm. I want my spot back? Yeah, interesting. It's uh, known Tim Ream. He'll be very open and professional. He'll do what's right for the club rather than what's right for him. And if if Bassey's I'd say, mentally fit, physically fit, you'll probably see him slotting in against, uh, against Villa at the weekend. But overall, a lot will depend on his level of fatigue and whether he's mentally and physically ready to start against Villa. So don't be surprised Tim Ream will start against Villa on, on Saturday, and Bassey might be on the bench. But but I think I also want to go, I know Tim Ream was you know, defending immensely in that second half in particular, but Diop, other than one mistake when he sort of gave it away, he tried to carry the ball forward in the first half, I thought Diop, in, there was like two interceptions in the first half and two blocks he made. You know, they were they were key moments in that first half of following. There was one moment, you know, so... Diop gets a lot of criticism and when things go wrong, but doesn't always get the credit when things go right. And I think, and I mentioned this to, the, to Joe and the guys around me on Saturday. Why is it when Anthony Robinson and, and Diop make mistakes, you know about it. But when other players make mistakes, like Tom Kearney, William, they're afforded a bit of a much sort of thing. What's the word I'm looking for? They don't get the much criticism because they cannot, you know, but Robinson, has, you know, I was asked a question the other day, who's, Who's the player of the season for them? I struggled. And someone said, what about Anthony Robinson? I went, potentially a good shout, right? Consistency yeah. all through the season. But he still hasn't won full of fans over. And why is that? I just can't put my finger on it. And the same with, uh, with Diop. Diop is, is renowned for making the odd but key mistake here and there. But when he defends well and kept Fulham in that first half with two key blocks, I didn't see any, any feedback on Twitter about how immense those tackles and, and blocks were. Interestingly, I don't know. I don't know what it is. When Fulham have got fans have got an agenda against certain players, you hear about the negatives, never the positives. That's very interesting, Emil. I'm glad that you said that. I actually read something very interesting on X, basically uh, an analysis of how Fulham played this match and really analyzed how it all played out. And uh, one of the topics it was from this uh, account called Cottage Tactical. I would imagine have everyone go to it because I thought it was fascinating. And basically one of the points that this account was making 
that the strategy for Bournemouth was to target Diop. And like mm-hmm. we're talking about, make the mistake. But the thing about it is he gets pointed at when he makes that one mistake. I've done it myself, mm-hmm. but he deserves credit when he plays well. Same thing yeah. with yeah. Anthony Robinson. We mm-hmm. point at the mistake. I point at the mistake. But maybe I should be focusing more on when he does things very well, and I have been, and I think maybe we focus too much on the mistakes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Too, and I think if you look at Tennessee, you don't always, you don't see Tom William get criticised when they're having off games. But you know, you, you're it's easier to target a Diop mistake or a penalty conceded, or Robinson could have cleared the ball better. But you look at Robinson's stats this season. You know, there's a reason why he's top of the top of Europe with some of those interceptions, and he added more to his numbers. On Saturday, with some, you know, with all his interventions in that game and interceptions. So overall, you know, I, I think those players deserve a little bit more credit when things go well, rather than just criticise when things when they make mistakes. Okay, excellent stuff there, Amelia. Okay, a couple more topics, and I'm actually going to bring up our friend of the show, Tony Gale, because Tony Gale gives great commentary. I enjoy listening to a match that he calls about foam. I really do. He, and he is fair. He doesn't. There is no bias with him when it comes to form. He mm. basically plays it down the middle. But the one thing that he mentioned I want to talk to you about that's fascinating. He said this. Mm. He says, Fulham are better side with William in it. Do you agree with this? Absolutely. I was actually mentioning that to the guys around me, saying, I think we can get another season out of him next year. <laughs> you know, but I think he's – look, the amount of skill, his, his touch – and I compared him to Berbatov, you know, to be honest with you. Who would I rather have, Berbatov or Willian? 100-0 Willian. I was never a Berbatov fan. I didn't like his attitude, his persona. But Williams, good coach to the younger players, you know, to the players in our squad. Look at the way he's, meant- he's coached, mentored Rodrigo Muniz as well. That's come to life. Absolutely. Extent. You know, that's critical. Tom Kearney's talking about he's technically the best players ever played in the same team with. So the- William just brings a lot of skill Slick with his passing, he can score goals, he can score from free kicks, you can see he can score penalties. We need that experience in the team. And you know, I agree with Tony here. It's we we click when he's in the team and when he's on form as well. He's he had a bit of a stuttering start to see. He wasn't at the same level in the first half dozen games as he was last season. Yep. But he's got better and better and better. And um I, with him, if Rewobi comes back and brings that other level of energy oh. to the team. This club can push on from where they are at the moment. But overall, I feel excited when Williams on the pitch. In the same way, you know, when Berbatov was there, he could do the unspectacular and the spectacular very, very well. But I just feel like I like having William in that team, and I think we can get another season out of him. Interesting stuff, and I'm glad that you brought up making players better, mentoring players. I think Muniz is a good example. I'll also say that I think he's made Jedi better. I think that combination, I think he has helped Jedi raise his game. Tom Kearney, because like I said, Tony Mm. was really focusing on the triangle, that three. And if you watch back the match, it's pretty amazing to watch the three of them play. But I'm glad that you brought this up because uh, I think you're going to reap the rewards even against Aston Villa and Manchester United when now you have Wobie on the other side, Emilio. So now you really can cause havoc because yeah, now exactly. you can have have those triangles on both sides. You're talking Castagna and Awobi and really work things on both sides because I think that those are form strengths. Yeah, Outlined is where they really 
can do damage to Miller. I think you'll agree with me on that. Yeah, and William keeping possession, always look to make something happen. He's always looking to have that link-up play with the Toms, Robinsons. You know, at times with Pereira as well, when Pereira sort of, you know, got his head in the right place. But I think the key thing, William, you know something's going to happen. I feel like I always feel like he's excited. I'm excited when he's on the board. And you know, at times it can be a little bit predictable when he's trying to go, you know, trying to get those long-range spectacular shots from outside the area, which he is entitled to, to be honest with you. But at times, you know, it's without him in the side, we look lethargic, we look slow, and we look devoid of really attacking threat. Okay, excellent stuff there, my friend. All right, our friend Chris Davidson has asked the question that I was going to ask you anyways, so let's get to it. Muniz or Broya going forward, okay, because I was going to bring this up to you. He read my mind. I want to get your thoughts on Rodrigo Muniz in this match, and then, of course, as Chris has mentioned, moving forward. Then... We, we, we look. Everyone's been critical of him, me included. We thought he didn't quite have the pedigree and the attributes to perform at this level. It's only two games. He's got a, he's got got that broke that duck at Burnley, which was critical. Can look at the confidence that generates, and the fact that he, how 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 proud he was to score in the Premier League for a top f- football club against Burnley, and then he's pushed on from that. I thought he had an immense game on Saturday. He's, you know, his hold up play was great. He was in the right place for the first goal. Confidence generated that excellent volley for the second goal. To be honest, he's, he's deserved his right to, to play this weekend against Villa. Wardy may have picked up a bit of a knock. I don't know if, it, if, if that's been called out, but he hobbled a little bit towards the end. Like, whether he was knackered, whether he, when he, I know he fell on the pitch shortly after before he got um, substituted, but hopefully he hasn't picked up a knock because it was he was limping a little bit on his on his leg. But overall, you've got to start him. At the end of the day, he's, right. he's on form. Three goals in two. Man of the match performance on Saturday. Poacher's goal for the first. You know, a confident striker for the second. That was a Mitrovic-style goal, that second goal. And also the first, being in the right place at the oh. right time. So, what more can you do? He's, he, I thought his hold-up play was good. He, 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 you could argue he assist, partly assisted for the first goal, held up the ball, squared it in the right place in the day. Okay, their, their defender made a mistake, but Bobby still had to finish that, finish that goal. You've got to start him. And Broja, to be honest, he came on twice. I didn't see much that impressed me away to Burnley. And I didn't see much that impressed about, about him in those 20 minutes when he came on on Saturday. But I was blindfolded and woke up and said, OK, we've got a new striker on the pitch. What do you want to see in a striker? Good hold-up play. You know, win headers, win corners, free kicks, make yourself a nuisance, pass the ball to feet. Don't don't do don't do the simple things right. I didn't see any of that. Maybe it's only twenty minutes. And he's he's yeah. a bit rusty, but if you want to be critical, with the twenty minutes I saw him, why would he want? Why would he start against Aston So no brainer. Rodrigo Muniz will start against Villa, and hopefully he'll continue that that the form he's in. He's he's earned it, so he's he has a right to continue playing. Emilio, he's earned it, and I just want to say this because uh, if you watched match of the day, and I actually did watch match of the day. Alan Shearer is giving him all <laughs> kinds of praise. When Alan Shearer is giving you praise as a striker, yeah. that speaks volumes. Exactly. Just, and, and that's the key thing for me. I think, but I, I just liked, there's a, you know, with, with a player, young player with, you know, potential bands of talent, he's obviously got to do that over a sustained period of time. But sure. two games he's played, and even against Man United before he picked up that knock, and that first half against Man United at Craven Cottage, he looked okay. He didn't didn't massively cause the Man United defence many problems, but 
you can see what he was trying to do, you know, with, with hold up play. He could he did win many headers against the um the Bournemouth defence, but what he did well is winning free kicks, holding the ball up, passing, look, looking to make things happen. So you can't ask more from a twenty two year old. If he scored two three goals in two games, well, fair play to him. Absolutely. I'm gonna share this from our friend Steve Reynolds. We lack speed on the right. Reed has been poor. Muniz's work off the ball has gotten better. And I, I agree with all that. And like mm-hmm. I said, you add Alex Awobi to the mix. Yeah. And I think yeah. that might even improve, like I said, Muniz even more. Because now he's got it coming from both sides. So for me, this is all good news. Listen, it's too yeah. early to tell how good Rodrigo Muniz is going to be, Amelia. Yeah. I've taken shots. You have. We all have, right? But yeah. he's in good form. You have to go with it. And I want to see what Broya offers as well. But I think you would be nuts to go mm-hmm. to Broya against Aston Villa. Exactly. And just to keep it, let's keep an eye on that Muniz where there's an injury there. Because I know he slightly hobbled off, you know, so, that, you know, when I saw on Saturday. But going back to Bobby Reed, Steve, um, look, I'm the first one to admit it. When we got promoted a couple of years ago, Bobby Reed is not a. Premier League player, so to speak. But what he's got a knack of doing is he scores goals, he scores assists. Is he the top scorer for Fulham this season? I think he is. Don't quote me on that. Yes. But I think he's probably the highest the top scorer. That's saying something. And so he's earned his right. Although his contributions are not significant throughout the 90 minutes, he popped up with a goal and he popped up with an assist on Saturday. What more can Bobby Reid do? So I like his, we like his versatility, his hunger. He's always up for playing for Fulham, whichever position you put him in. Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more energy there, Steve. I think he's can be a bit slow, but he's got a knack of scoring goals and and get and being in the in the danger area. Andres Pereira, what's his record this season? Much more highly paid player, a lot more focus on you know on on Pereira. What's he, what's he, how many goals has he scored this season? How many assists? Not enough. So different type of player, but Bobby Reid, you know, he's always going to pop up with something, game in, game out, and you know he may not. Like I said Liverpool away, another example. He, he was he was keen at four three defeat there. So um, so I don't disagree, Steve. But you know what you're getting with Bobby Reed. Well, he was actually this is a golden because he was talking about Harrison Reed. Oh, Harrison Reed. Yeah, that's well. Look, Harrison Reed should have come on earlier in that game on Saturday. But I thought when he when he came on, when the, all the players came on, I, I just said we looked a little bit more lethargic. We just sat back throughout that game in, in the second half. So. I question some of the substitutes and time. We know we've had this conversation before about uh, yep. Marco Silva, timing of subs and the subs that he made. It didn't work against Burnley. And I thought the changes we made on Saturday didn't work out. And we put ourselves under further, under unnecessary pressure in that second half, especially the last 20 minutes. Okay. Very good, Amelia. Okay. Before we talk about the starting 11, one more topic moving forward because I like doing this. Let's go right there. Okay. Let's talk about Bassey. And then, of course, Awobi. If you're watching live, feel free to share your thoughts on this. Do Awobi and Bassett come straight back in to start against Aston Villa? If fit, I'll put in that, if ready to go. If they're physically fit, rather than, or sort of, like say, if, they, if, they, if they've got the capacity to come straight back from a long, you know, tournament and come back in, I, I would say Iwobi, I think, would slot in immediately. I think, you know, I'd, I'd bring him straight into the mix. Bassey, I think if you know Diop had a solid game against Bournemouth, Reem was colossal as well. I'd, I'd be surprised if he changes it unless he thinks Bassey's physically in the right frame of mind, physically after a long tournament. 
you know, they'll bring a lot of confidence to the team. I know they lost the final yesterday, but they'll hopefully bring a lot of confidence into this Fulham team. That we've now got two Fulham players in our starting line in our starting lineup who basically played in an African Cup final and former players who had the you know, Seri had the game of his life yesterday. From I didn't watch the game, but he had the game of his life. So um, it all depends on their, how physically fit they are, to be honest with you. But okay. if anything, I see Iwobi starting Bassi 50-50. Okay, excellent. All right, Emilio, let's go to talking about the starting 11. I got to tell you, I did a preview show, and I basically went with Broya starting in the match. And I have my platform as my number one key was getting him involved early and often. Then he doesn't even start. <laughs> then I turned into my takeaway as talking about Rodrigo Muniz getting the ball early and often, which Fulham did. So were you surprised that Broya didn't start? Any other surprises that he went with Muniz in that starting 11? Uh, I, I thought Muniz would have started. And I understood okay. whether there was some speculation that Broya may have had a slight knock. In training last week, which may have been may have partly resulted in him starting on the bench rather than starting, but when he scored against Burnley, and I thought he had a good game against Burnley, so that would have been harsh on him and his confidence if he was dropped or put back on the bench against Bournemouth. So I think Silver got it right. Obviously, clearly he did because he's got he was man of the match. <laughs> um, but overall, I, I I thought it was a pretty much the lineup I expected. You know, to be honest with you, I'm I'm glad to see Wilson back from injury, I, and that was a little bit sooner than expected. I didn't yeah. expect him to be on the bench so soon. Everyone seems to be happy that Traore is suddenly back in the mix as well. So um, maybe this, he's, he offers a bit of something different, a bit like Kamara used to give us a few seasons ago. So, you know, unpredictable and could do the spectacular or un unspectacular. But I wasn't necessarily too surprised at that lineup. Castagna, I know Tete had an injury, but whether if Tete was fit, Castagna's been pretty solid in that position most yeah. season. And, and, you know, so no no surprises at that lineup, really. Okay. Very good. All right. I have a couple more comments before we break down this match. This is from Chris Davidson going back to talking about Iwobi and Bassey. It may be too soon after a long, hard tournament, both on the bench. Yeah, I see what yeah, you're going on yeah. Yeah, my point. Yeah, I think so. It will be potentially, I think Bassey will definitely start on the bench. Reem and, and Diop had a pretty steady game on they Saturday, did. so neither should be dropped for Saturday. They did. And I'm glad that Black, White, and Fred brought this up because I saw this on X. Okay, this is actually pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Disappointed to see the abuse Iwobi has gotten from the Nigerian fans. This is actually terrible. If you go mm -hmm. on X and put in Alex Iwobi, you're going to see it. And it's not good, Emilio. I don't get this. Listen, I'm going to be the first to admit it. I didn't see the match. so, But I still I don't get abusing one of your own like this. And no. he's gotten a lot. Yeah, absolutely. This disgrace thing. I haven't seen the um any I've not been on Twitter today or X today or didn't see the match myself yesterday, but it's look, this is the same <laughs> it's the same as I say about Fulham fans, right? I don't think Fulham fans will get to that extreme when things go go against us. But you know, we you know, we many fans we all criticize players when things go wrong and but I don't think we give our team enough credit when things go well and you know, where's the thanks? To Iwobi that he got them, to, he helped them get to the finals because they lost a big tournament, a big final. It's disgusting, really. But I can yeah. speak to us on behalf of Fulham fans, and sometimes I see the abuse our fans, our fans give to players, unnecessary at times. Okay, very good. All right, coming up next, Emil and I break down the match, and then we end with man of the match. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, my friend, let's go and break down the match. Let's go through your first half analysis. Let's just talk about the first half. Then we'll talk about the goals and some of the other key moments. So I'll just share my thoughts on watching the first half. And uh, Fulham came out very strong out of the blocks. And they were dominant, Amelia. They deserved to be up. Mm -hmm. 2-0 2-0 at the half there, I say maybe even more than that because yep. they played very well. And like I said, I've heard all the excuses from the Bournemouth supporters talking about how badly they played, right? Well, there's a reason why they played badly. Fulham made them look that way. Mm-hmm. So for me, I thought it was a very good performance and um, something to build on. Like I said, that's what we're talking about. The first half was a, a really good performance. The second half was just um, seeing out the match. You know, finding a way to get all three points, which they did. So for me, the first half really just showed that Fulham can play with anyone, and they played well in that first half. And Miller, your thoughts? Yeah, I think you know we got out of the blocks very early, um, high press. You know, you know, we 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 it was a game that Fulham felt if they're going to get to you know to survival and, and safety, this was one of the games they had to win. Home advantage. We wanted to avenge that that shocking performance of at their ground in December, you know, we got that early goal that settled the nerves. Right. I think. And again, we, it could, you could have got the second, it could have been more. And I, I know Solanke missed a, a sitter by his own standards. And again, this goes back about this debate. How good is Solanke? He went through that rich vein of form either side of, you know, through December, I think November and December, that's when Bournemouth were getting, you know, the strong results and winning week in, week out. But someone highlighted to me on Sunday and I wasn't aware that Bournemouth's last victory this it was against Fulham on Boxing Day. So it was a good time to play them as well. They weren't playing at their peak and they've started a little bit in recent weeks. And dare I say, they've become a bit like Brighton fans. Maybe they're, they're, they're expecting a little bit too much from their team. And they, you know, just because they, they've had a good good season so far and they've spent a lot of money, don't forget. They're probably expecting Heinz and what little, little Fulham, who are you? We, we're, we're stronger and better than you. But, you know, we put them in their place. Got the second goal deservedly. Yeah, you know, like he should have finished. Should have got. Should have got pulled one back for them. But overall, we controlled that game. Other than a couple of lapses of concentration here and there. But overall, very happy with that tuning performance. You know, again at times, I saw Marcus Silva telling his players just to calm down a little bit, tune it up, close the game out, go into half time. Don't 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 leave any gaps to the back. There are times when. Sort of the the eagerness got a, got a, made them get a little bit too carried away, and I thought well, actually we're going to slip and make a mistake here, which we know we're around, renowned for doing. But closed the game out of half time, comfortably leading two 0 And if you look at the stats first half, 
they reflected that. We were higher possession rates, more shots on goal. Clearly, we got, we scored the two, and we we put them under pressure. You know that yes. that. You know, let's be honest. It goes back to my point about Bobby Reid. You know, he he has a knack of finding himself in the right place at the right time. You know, the defence made a mistake. Bobby Reid still had a hard job to finish, but he cool, he coolly finished to the back and slotted the back of the net. And Mooney's with confidence um, scored a, a nice poacher's goal again. Right. Got in front of the defender. Two mistakes, two goals. Thank you very much. That's great, Neil. And the other thing I want to mention about the first half, and again, I, I would. Recommend people will go into the uh, X account of Cottage Tactico where they talk about how Fulham basically bypassed the press because I kept hearing about how incredible this Bournemouth press is. And mm. Fulham, instead, for the most part, Bern Leno would kick it out. He would <laughs> kick it to the sides or he would kick it to Muniz and basically just bypass it. Or mm. Tim Ream would basically be in charge of getting the ball forward. They tried to stay away from Diop having the ball yeah. a lot, and I think that yeah. was smart because, as I said, Cottage Tactico said that was probably the strategy of Bournemouth was to try to take advantage of Diop. That didn't happen, so that was really hmm. good. But for me, the fact that we look at these two matches, Emilio, I think the first half just shows how different they are and I think Marco has a lot to do with it, strategy, because mm -hmm. on many occasions he would have played the ball out from the back, you're basically banging your head against the wall and asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. In this match, he did yeah. like he did a, a season ago against Liverpool and said, you know, we're just going to bypass it. Exactly. And it worked. Exactly. exactly. You look at that. One thing as well to call out is the link-up play, like Tony Gale, you know, Tony Gale was about William being a key player. Yes. Robinson. William, Tom Kenny, that triangle, you know, that the triangle. beautiful passing, the, you know, you know, where was Pereira in that first half? You could argue Pereira was a passenger in that first half. And again, he wasn't, you know, he was lazy. There was one moment I was actually effing and blinding because I could see Bournemouth. There was one moment when one of their, their midfielders, I can't remember what it was, just carried a ball from the halfway line right through to the, pen, to the, to the penalty area. There was no, there was no attack. There was no press from our midfield. Pereira had his hands in his pockets. Come on, you've got to work. You, that midfield has got to work harder. But when we're on the ball attacking, that that trip, that, that diamond there were you know amazing. And Tom pulling the strings, confident. But when we're on the back foot and having to absorb a bit of pressure, Jair Palinas, you know, couldn't can't can't protect that midfield on his own. And we need to see the likes of William Pereira and Tom offer more in in defence and cover. And that's that's right. the only negative when we've got that right. sort of very high press offensive style of football. You're leaving Joao a little bit exposed in midfield, and he can't he can't do that all by himself. And you need those three really really tracking back and and working harder for the, for the team. But coming forward, they're a delight to watch. Okay, excellent. Now let's talk about the goals. Let's talk about the first form mm -hmm. goal. And uh, like I said, the the focus here, when I've been reading and listening to, has been the mistake, the fall of the Bournemouth player. Okay, I get all that. But I think what people are missing out on is is uh, the play from Muniz. And then obviously mm -hmm. you can say that it, it was, you know, just a, a mistake or just a fall. But Bobby Decadovery takes advantage of it, was in the position to take advantage mm -hmm. of it, Emilio. I, I think that gets lost in this, the yeah. first goal. Exactly. And Muniz, again, it wasn't the strongest ball in the, in the, when he squared it across, but it was in the right place, right? And again, yeah. he put it in the right place. 
you know, he was, you know, the defender stood off Muniz. So Muniz done well to to put the ball in that danger area. And like you said, it, if you're putting the ball in the right place, you're going to force defenses to make occasional mistakes. We do that ourselves. We've known to, we we often make mistakes in key areas, then we get punished for it. And this time, it, you know, Bournemouth made the mistake. Bobby in the right place. You had the right person there, shall we say, in front of goal there. Anyone else, I would have been a little bit more sceptical. But Bobby, with the pace, in the right place, and he only had one shot, one thing on his mind, and he, and he buried it in the bottom corner very comfortably, proving that he's our top scorer of the season. Oops, sorry, that was my phone that just fell over. <laughs> Phone's still yeah. okay. It's just literally all these... You know, back up uh, technology plans tonight. But, uh, but overall, Bobby, right place, right time. And thank you very much. 1-0. An early goal just settled the nerves of the team. Absolutely. No, I, I want to share this comment from Chris Davidson because Chris always likes to be proven <laughs> right. We'll give this to you, Chris. Tom Kearney, I told you guys a, a long time ago not to write him off. You were right about that. Yes, yeah, I'll, I'll give you your credit. In the form of his life. Chris, yeah. Oh, he's playing fantastic. Chris is right. He's playing fantastic. We'll give Tom Kearney all the credit that he deserves. He deserves all that. All right, Emilio, let's talk about the second goal. So this is great. You've already mentioned it. And um, it's been described as a poacher's goal, and it is. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Rodrigo Muniz scoring Fulham's second goal. Again, you know, know, cross into the box. Bobby's little knockdown with his head. Getting in the right place, right time, causing a nuisance. And just the fact that um, the Muniz, with confidence, a spring in his step, you know, had the had the audacity, you could argue, to get in front of the defence and and just stick his foot out and bury it in the back of the net. It, would he have done that two weeks ago? Potentially not. Again, it's just it's those little moments you can't put a price on it. But psychologically, he's broken his Premier League duck a week ago, and now he that that breeds confidence. I I'd argue if that occurred two weeks ago, he would have been second to the ball. He wouldn't have got there first. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so let's now move to the second half and Fulmer up 2-0 mm. heading into the second half. And unfortunately, you know, and this happens all the time, they get the goal. Now this is, again, off of a corner. I want to give them credit for this. So your thoughts about the Bournemouth goal, which made it 2-1? to one. It was coming, I thought. I thought Bournemouth obviously, you know, I was saying at the time, 2-0 up, they're going to leave gaps to the back. So I wasn't confident they would score. I thought maybe we would keep it tight. They would leave gaps to the back and maybe we'd go and score a third. But it's just a little bit of hesitation in, in defence, you know, a little bit sloppiness. You know, we didn't clear our lines appropriately. And I'd argue they deserved that goal. They started that second half quite well on, on, on the front foot, pressing us back. You know, we, we were struggling to contain them. Again, this is what I find frustrating seeing Fulham this season is, when we're slightly under pressure, we keep giving a ball away cheaply. So when I, right. even 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 when we're comfortable on the ball, how many times do we give the the ball away? Don't pass the feet. We give a cheap throw in. We give possession away when there's a little we're slightly on the back foot. That frustrates me. They play the basics well. When you're under pressure, you do the basics. You pass the feet. You try to hold the ball. Don't don't give the possession a free a free hit to get possession back. And put pressure on the foot, and that's what happened in the second half. We, if you look at the back of those first ten minutes or so, how many times did we give the ball away? You could argue Bournemouth pressurised us to make mistakes, but there were some basic errors across the Fulham team throughout those first ten minutes, and Bournemouth deserved that that first goal. I yeah. thought, here we go again, Burnley revisited, and I thought this is not good. We dominated the first half, and now we're only one goal ahead. But they deserved it. We made some mistakes. We didn't clear our lines, and a lot of it is. 
there's a bit of sloppiness at times when we give the ball away cheaply. If I remember rightly, and I haven't seen the replay, we're in the Fulham were attacking about literally less than a minute before their goal. Yeah. Whether I don't think we got I can't remember if we didn't get the free kick we expected. They then got a throw in, attacked, Walt went back into the Fulham heart, into the Fulham penalty area. We didn't clear our lines, what two one. But if you look the preceding minute, I'm sure there was a moment that we either our player got a foul was found and we didn't get the decision, or we gave away a cheap throw in, yep. which result we lost possession and then we gave them the initiative. So but I haven't like I haven't seen the replay, but something I recall just before their goal. I don't know if someone who's watched it can remind me, but there was something in a minute or so before. Okay, my friend. All right. So what's great is that Fulham responded almost <laughs> instantaneously. Mm. Now, what's interesting about this, and I've watched this back several times, I don't have a great view of it, but I know the Bournemouth supporters are very upset because they think the ball went out of play. It's very close. It's extremely close. I would recommend everyone going back. It almost looks like the ball goes out of play. It could have. Regardless, play continues, and then we have the play that ends up to William eventually. Well, Kearney gets it to William, and then Williams cross. Just amazing. And what's interesting about this, if you watch this back, you will see Muniz basically pointing to where he wants it. Mm. And on a plate, Emilio, yeah. this was a great goal from Rodrigo Muniz. Three to one. Yeah, absolutely. Right in front of me. You know, you saw the, the beautiful build-up play between Tom, William, and Peach of a cross, right? Exactly a striker's cross then. How many times have we seen Mitrovic bury, bury goals from the same position? So, Mooney's, again, two weeks ago, he would have probably kicked that into the Hammersmith end <laughs> and way above the goal. But this, it's, he, he timed it to perfection. Great cross and a great volley, a great strike. That's a... That's a, that's a striker with confidence really it's i know right. it's only two games three goals in two games but you know, there's a lot this guy potentially has on offer now and again what else can he do let's 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 not how would you say i think we can applaud him while he's done well but let's not let's not get carried away two games but look even mitrovic would not have scored a better better fit had a better finish than that so great finish yeah. cracking goal and what was important we responded immediately exactly you know, two one your nerves start to creep in. You start to remember what happened against Burnley, but no, let's go back the other end. Let's let's take the let's take the game back to Bournemouth, and you know we had a that's a piece of a cross, piece of a finish that silenced the Bournemouth fans immediately. It's exactly what we needed. Okay, all right, Emilio. So now we're up three to one, and before we talk about man of the match and foam see this match out, I want to get your thoughts on the substitutions mm. because. This has been a little bit of a theme. It, it's been hit or miss with him when it comes to substitutions. What did you make of the players that came on? And also, make the change of shape. Mm. Yeah, but first thing I was crying out for is bring Harrison Reed. I know he's not he's not always my favourite player in no. the world. But, you know, <laughs> but look, if he was the best player since sliced bread and deserved to play ring, why is he not playing every week? That's a different story, right? <laughs> proves, proves my point is... You know, he's he's good enough for the bench. I don't think he's good enough to play him week in, week out. But okay. he should have come on for Pereira as far as I'm concerned. But that was a mistake. We, Pereira was afforded too much time on that pitch. He had a poor game. He should have, been, he should have come off. Tom should have put, played the number 10 role and put Harrison Reed in the position and, and, and provide some support and cover for Jal. We shouldn't have kept um, Pereira on longer. I think he made a mistake taking Tom off. Unless there was an injury, whether he was tired or not. But that was a mistake, in my opinion. 
Okay. Okay. It's funny because uh, I was listening to a podcast that said that potentially Tom might just be a 60 minute player at this point. What, what are your thoughts about that? Um, at times, yes. I think, you know, now that we've got the players coming back from injury, that will give a bit more breathing space for him. So we can play him for 60, 65 rather than, I think it was the Everton game. I think he played the whole game, didn't he? I think yeah, he did. Brightly a couple of weeks ago. So that's probably a bit too much for him. But I still think he had another 10 minutes or so in, on, on legs on to, to carry on. And Pereira had offered nothing when he came, when he, um, okay. up to the point that Tom was substituted. So I think Silva got that one wrong, in my opinion. And then Harrison Reid, you know, we got a, did a couple of Stefan Johansson fouls there. Whilst um, Russ is trying to get his connection back, probably a bit of um, bad um, network uh, interference there. I thought uh, Marco made a, made some of the decisions wrong in that in that second half. I think when all the subs were made, I, I just felt Wilson didn't really do, we didn't see much of Wilson when he came on. Again, we don't want to stretch him and, and test him too early because he's only come back quickly from an injury. But I think he he struggled in that second half. Brozier, I mentioned earlier, didn't didn't contribute enough for me. I thought his touch at times was quite poor. Um, didn't didn't look like the the multi million pound striker that he Chelsea paid for his services. And Harrison Reed, Harrison did the job he was meant to do. Let's not let's not let's not beat around the bush. That's but overall we lost we lost balance, we lost speed, we lost quality, and the team looked a little bit. I don't know. We didn't have that flow. I thought we we sat back for the last twenty minutes, absorbing pressure. When actually, we the team looked a little bit disjointed at times. Okay, Emilio, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I was just carrying on talking about the substitutions and my thoughts that maybe they they okay. they, they created a bit. The team looked a little bit disjointed when they came on. I didn't feel. I thought we lost our flow. We lost our shape, and okay. you know we didn't look like scoring a fourth goal. That was that was that was the only thing. Okay, no worries, no worries. Okay, all right, let's end the show because uh, my internet connection, I don't know how it's going to hold up. So why don't we just go to man of the match? Give me your man of the match, Emilio. Um, no, no, two ways. Rodrigo for me. I thought Rodrigo, you know, we've talked to a length in the show tonight. He was man of the match for me by, you know, by a fairly country mild. Tim Marine, good call. I'm going to call him out because. He he headed everything in the second half, especially those corners. We had to absorb how many pro, how many corners did the Bournemouth have second half in double figures. But ultimately, I don't think um, Ben Leonard had to make a, a specific save from those. So that's testament to Diop and to Tim Ream. Um, so probably Tim Ream was number two play for me. And I thought and Robinson and William on the left looked look very exciting, quick. Uh, they were on it on Saturday, weren't they? And I think the only other thing as well, the one, the other thing that ne- makes me feel nervous is Bernd Leno's one moment in the second half, again in no man's land, like he was against Burnley. I don't know what he yeah. was up to in that second half. There was a moment when, you know, that could have gone against us. We got away with a little bit of murder, that blue murder there. But Bernd Leno, I'm not sure your decision making at times is starting to make me feel a little bit worried. Well, Russ seems like he's lost his internet connection again, guys, on those watching. So, uh, yeah, so for me, do you all agree Mooney's man of the match? What are the other people saying? Um, all right, good stuff there, Emilio. So, like I said, we're having some internet <laughs> connection where I am. Yeah, Chris was just saying Russ has turned into the shadow. <laughs> good comment there, Chris. Um, yes, Russ's connection is very good tonight. Steve Reynolds, how long do we play Andreas? I agree with you. I think it's. Um, I think with Iwobi coming back, you might see him you know, maybe starting on the bench in a couple of games coming up. 
Um, Steve Reynolds, you're saying Mooney's and Ream, you agree with me. Chris Davidson, you can't argue Mooney's from Ranham Rashford. William ran him close. Ream and Diop deserve a mention. Yep, definitely. Ream definitely agree with you there. And Diop, yeah, I mentioned earlier, I thought Diop, other than that one mistake in that first half when he gave, he carried the ball and gave away cheap possession, I thought he looked pretty immense and was probably more spectacular than Chris um, Tim Ream in that first half. Chelsea losing again. We can finish above them again this season. Oh, are they? I'm, I'm got the, not seeing what the Crystal Palace game, but if anything, I want more Palace to lose that than Chelsea. Yeah, Mooney's definitely from Nick Townsend. So overall, everyone seems to be pretty much agreeing with me. And I think the Fulham, F, Fulham FC man of the match was also um, Rodrigo Mooney's. Um, so we've got Villa coming up on... On Saturday at home, what what do people what are people's thoughts? If you want to drop your message on the chat, I'll I'll read some of your comments in a moment. But Villa lost at home to Man United yesterday. They're slightly maybe a little bit stuttering. You know, they, they were unbeatable at Villa Park for the best part of this season and last. I think they won about seventeen plus consecutive games at home. So they've started up late. They lost to Chelsea in the league in the cup last week. They lost at home to Man United. So they're gonna to want to turn that around and need to find a way to beat Fulham. But we've got our players back from injury plays back from national, national international duty. So that's actually going to be a very interesting game. I think we're going to see a very interesting game against Villa, a very open game, Russ, for two teams who want to play football, you know, offensively. And and Ollie Watkins, dare I say, is, is not necessarily in a hot run of form like he was a few weeks ago. So he 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 made a couple of mistakes yesterday. I think he should have been more clinical. Yeah. But I think it's going to be an exciting game against Villa on Saturday. It's going to be an open game and okay. probably a good game for the neutrals. Emilio, I think I'm finally back. Are you hearing me? Yes, I can. Yeah, I'm just going through comments on the chat and also just talking about the the game against Villa coming up this weekend. Prediction against Villa. Um, Kamal, good question. Um, we're at home. I'd, I'd, I'd probably say 1-1. Again, Villa not going to be easy, but they're beatable. I think I agree with Steve Reynolds. Villa are beatable. They're not playing to the level they were, say, four to six weeks ago. With our players coming back from injury, we'll have hopefully a full-strength squad. They're not going to find it easy. So I think 1-1, but don't be surprised. I think Fulham can get something from this game. We can get the three points, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And we can relax a little bit more. We've beaten Bournemouth. We've got the, the That's a more important win, I'll give you, than a game against Villa. So got the three points. We can relax a bit against Villa. And why can't we? Can't we beat them? Why can't, you know, so um, we're at home. That's a key thing. And last year, we thumped them 3-0. And Gerard got sacked straight after that game, if you recall. Any other predictions from the people watching the show tonight against Villa? Kamal, it's the balanced opinion. Yeah, I tend to be very, you probably, if you don't know me well, no, I tend to be very grounded, very uh, unbiased in opinion. So it's, uh, I'll, I'll tell you how I think it's going to be irrespective of the bias towards Fulham Football Club. Someone's asked, well, what's the news on Toasted, Steve? Uh, I'm not too sure, really. I, th- I know he picked up a knock against Burnley. Um, so I'd, I'm not sure, you know, hopefully nothing too serious. I know that Raul Jimenez injury seems to be worse than expected. He's going to be out for at least another month. So clearly we're going to need Broja to start you know, showing some form when he comes off the bench. And hopefully Rodrigo didn't pick up a knock on Saturday, but let's see um, later this week. Steve going for a tough 1-0 and Nick Townsend 2-1 Fulham. So yeah, it's going to be a tight game on Saturday. I actually see them probably being a lot of goals in that game, a 3-2, 4-3 potentially to Fulham, but... It's going to be an open game, I think. That's, and with two attacking teams, both um, both exciting to watch as neutrals. Um, Russ, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Let's let's wrap this up, my friend. 
Final thoughts, Emilio? No, good show. You know, despite the, we both had technical issues for, from a different perspective. Always good to do a show when Fulham win, um, and when Fulham win deservedly, not not by luck. You know, despite what the Bournemouth fans think. You know, at the end of the day, we're above them in the table, so they can they can go back to the south coast and start complaining about other things. But overall, you know, we're, most Fulham fans are grounded. Um, we've got the three points. We can start to breathe a little bit more. You know, survival looks fairly fairly likely now. We just need a couple more wins to guarantee it. And we can play with a little bit more confidence now. We don't have to worry. We've got players back from injury, players back from international duty. We've got, what, 15 games to look forward to the end of the season? Let's pick up as many points as we can and push up that table. Because if Chris is saying Chelsea are losing tonight, then who knows? We beat Villa at the weekend. We can leapfrog our, our lovely neighbours at Chelsea. So, yeah, overall... Thank you very much, Fulham. Good victory on Saturday. Look forward to seeing you play against Villa on this coming weekend. Thanks for watching the show, everybody. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.